0: it's taste of country nights with evan paul on demand season two episode 37 with colby calais now you got the song out with cheryl crow are there any cheryl crow stories you can share with us that like people don't know like a wild colby calais cheryl crow party night
1: oh we never had that we never no because on tour um you know i was like it was like in the height of like I was just busy with stuff on the road And she had her kids out on the road I mean I'm sure we had some cocktails together But there was, there's was there been no <laughs> partying yet I will say yet Because we keep talking about getting together So okay, yeah, keep you posted
0: We had a good time with Colby Calais in studio She performed for us We got into the nitty gritty About why she chose to put out this album And why now If she set out to make a country album And whatnot. Thank you for checking this out Taste of Country Nights on demand Let's get into the interview with Colby Calais This podcast is part Part of the Town Square Media Podcast Network. Evan Paul here with Kobe Calais. That was an amazing song. Thank you so much for playing that. Thank you. Yeah, like awesome. Can you give me the story behind that?
1: Yeah, so that's a duet I just released with Cheryl Crow. And it's called I'll Be Here. And what's funny is I actually released a different version of that song like seven years ago called Never Gonna Let You Down. Um, but this was the original, I wrote it like 13 years ago. And so I wanted to release this original version with the, I'll be here section.
0: And how did it get to Cheryl Crow and how'd that happen?
1: Well, like three years, I've been friends with her since I toured with her like 10 or 11 years ago. And she's just incredible. And three years ago I asked her if she would do a duet with me whenever I do my album. And she's like, yeah, absolutely. And then it took me three years to like actually get it done. And I was like, are you still cool to do that duet? <laughs> like did I miss my chance. She said yes, and within, like, two weeks, she sang the vocal. We went to her house, and she recorded the vocal, and then we just shot the music video a couple weeks ago, and it's all just been a whirlwind. But she is just still as absolutely magnificent and incredible human
0: being. Are there any Sheryl Crow stories you can share with us that, like, people don't know? Like, a wild Colby Calais Sheryl Crow party night?
1: Oh, we never had that. We never – no, because on tour, um, you know, I was, like – it was, like, in the height of, like – I was just busy with stuff on the road and she had her kids out on the road. I mean, I'm sure we had some cocktails together, but there was, there's been no partying yet. I will say yet because we keep talking about getting together. So okay, keep you posted.
0: What inspires you to write?
1: Uh, It's like therapy. So it's um, whatever I'm going through in life or whatever someone around me is going through. So this new album is a breakup album. Uh, I was in a really long relationship and uh, I wrote it about that pers- the perspective of, of loving and cherishing what you had. And, um, you know, there's all different kinds of breakup songs. You can be mad at the person. You can not like them. You can be happy it's over, all the things. And this album is really important for me to, to – for other people to have that had a, a good relationship. They're just not meant to be together because, you know, I do think that that's a thing. Like you can love each other but not be right for each other. Mm. So um, I'll write about falling in love. I'll write about – going through breakups. I'll write about someone else going through a loss or anything in life.
0: Do you ever, like when you're in a relationship and the day it's like called off, like you're feeling awful, obviously. <laughs> do you ever, is there a part of your creative mind that's like, okay, content?
1: <laughs> like you're excited about it. Right, like, you're excited yes, for a up. You know, you, you, you don't think of it like Like, I can't wait for this to happen so I can get that. But then once you have it, you're like, ooh, okay. I mean, hey, you got to find the the good things in it, too. But then, oh, go ahead. No, yeah, I mean, and it's, it's therapeutic to get it out. But, yeah, I think you do see the... The perks of that.
0: But then does it sting more when you write a love song about somebody and then the relationship is gone and and you hear that said love song?
1: It's hard because, yeah, you hear that and then you just realize that's life. Like we are going to have different multiple relationships and we're going to have different loves and we're going to have losses. And I think the more I've experienced that, the more I'm like, oh, before it's like you're embarrassed that you wrote a love song and now you're not with them. But it's like it's it happens to everyone. It's okay. and that's just a part of it. So, yeah. Okay. But it, you're like, oh, I was totally in love. going to marry that person. And now, like, now here's a breakup song. <laughs> Throwback. <Yeah. laughs> right, right,
0: right. So you said the seed for this album was planted maybe like three years ago or was it even yes, before I, that? I
1: wrote the first song for it um, fall of, of 2020. Yeah.
0: And uh, what really took this long, do you think, like... Um,
1: A lot of things. It took me a long time to write. I was like normally with my previous albums, uh, I was I was on the road and then I would have scheduled sessions. It was just like you were in the grind of it. So you'd get work done a lot faster. And this was during the pandemic. I was also just had just finished my uh, my band with uh, Gone West and I, I was just taking a break from music. So I had I really had no interest of writing or making an album. And then once the song slowly started falling out, I think I wrote like a song every three months. Like I really was very slow with it. I recorded the, song, the album two years ago, and then, um, like, the year after that, I was like, it's still too soon. I don't feel ready to put these songs out. I felt kind of sad about the songs. Like, I, they were still too fresh to go and promote and sing every day. Oh. And now I'm at a really healthy place with it where I feel really healed from it. And now I'm like, I hope – And now I want these songs out there for anyone else who's gone through a similar – break up in life
0: that's cool the progression of it yeah that is you know, really cool slow <laughs> <laughs> uh you talked about gone west you guys had a lot of uh of critical acclaim uh is this like an extension of that or like a soft launch
1: um well because we were country like our, our country event yeah. yeah you know this is uh my new album is a country album and i've i uh i didn't grow up with country music but uh, i moved to nashville seven years ago and it's just been embedded in my life and i've it's just um I love it so much and I was like, well, I love I love country music. I love the dobro, I love the steel guitar. I love all these elements and so I I really just wanted to add them into my my record and and make a, a country album.
0: Do you have any Stevie Nicks stories?
1: Um I got to borrow her jacket for the Grammys when I was younger. Like I went with my my family when I was younger and I got to borrow her jacket. But like I, I she wasn't in like too much in my life at that age like my my dad worked with them you know in the 70s and 80s so um no sorry boring but i no, that's like great. Mick Fleetwood we're we're like close friends and John McVie like we've gone to their places in in Hawaii and like they're just really cool Mick Fleetwood's just like he is one of the coolest guys ever so he's been he's been kind of close in my life like that
0: so did the people that your dad if you don't know, her dad worked a lot with Fleetwood Mac like you said when you were growing up around that stuff were there other people other than Fleetwood Mac that Uh, possibly influenced your musical stylings
1: yeah my parents definitely they raised me on classic rock so I loved the Joni Mitchell James Taylor Um, my sister got me into like reggae music and Bob Marley those were all my biggest influences and then like and then I added in John Mayer and and Lauren Hill and everything but (laughs) I would say classic rock and Fleetwood Mac um, and like Tom Petty Steve Miller band all of those were my favorite.
0: And have you gotten to meet all these people? John Mayer. Saw, uh... I got to
1: tour with John Mayer. I got to obviously tour with Cheryl. Um, I've. Yeah, I've got to. I've, I've had really incredible experiences like like the first like five years of my career. I got to sing at the White House. I've got to sing like in front of two presidents. It's you know, it's really cool what's that like
0: like like is it do you have to get a background check
1: oh yeah they do all that stuff but when i we got to we performed at the white house um for the easter egg roll when the um obamas were in office and um they allow a lot of people to come to that so i got to have like 30 family members and friends come and we are all we have a huge group picture and so it's cool i I sang for you know bush um at, at one point so it's you know
0: it's, How did you invite those thirty friends? Like, were you like, "Hey, listen, what are you doing on this date?" <laughs>
1: it was literally, it was my family, it was my um, my manager and his family, it was my grandparents, my closest friends. It was, it was that. That's yeah. so cool. It was, it was very special. Uh,
0: did you set out to make a country album, or did it just like happen to be country?
1: Um, no, I didn't set out to do a country album. You know, I, I've. That's the thing. It's so hard because you don't want sometimes people can think that you're trying to just go a different genre all of a sudden. I think that's, this was a very natural progression. And I also think my old albums could be in country music today. And I just think that I've always loved the instrumentation. I've always loved songwriting and I feel like it's been a really, uh, a good fit and a great new home for me. So um, it just happened that way. And I was, I just, uh, yeah, I loved creating this record.
0: What was it like working with Taylor Swift?
1: She's awesome. You know, it, Oh, gosh, we wrote that song so many years ago. We wrote it here in Nashville. And she really is just this wonderful, brilliant woman. And she was at that age. I mean, she was, when we wrote, I think she was like 17 or something like that. And she she's just always been this way. It's incredible. Do
0: you still, like, talk to her?
1: I haven't talked to her for a long time. But um, we're still, like, when I just did the, she just did the Taylor's version of Fearless. Mm-hmm. And I did Breathe. Um, they asked me to do that again. And then she sent me a sweet gift. And so... She's always she's always very generous.
0: Wow! So you can like just text her and she has your address. How does that work?
1: Her, they, they, yeah, they have my address. I don't have her current <laughs> phone number. No, technically
0: no. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, have any country stars reached out to you uh, with the this upcoming album, offer any support or any help or anything?
1: My goodness, you're coming with all the questions. Um, I. Yes, but I don't know. I'm just trying to think of all the things. It's been it's been like a whole process, but there are going to be I want to have a male duet on this record. Um, but we're it, we're still figuring out who it's going to be and and so that will be coming out at some point. Who it's not going to be on the album. Oh my god, I cannot say because I don't I know. I don't I know what's going to happen. That's the hard part. You don't know the timing of everyone's album and when we can get it done, but I really I've been wanting um there's a song called "Meant for Me" on the album that I really want a male Vocal.
0: Okay, and you're working on getting that vocalist, working or on, y'all already recorded
1: working on
0: it? on getting that. Okay, yeah. All right. I'll you leave have you. Any alone.
1: suggestions?
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Jelly roll. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'll be here. Is the song you cut uh, with Cheryl Crow? Mm-hmm. Um, how is it promoting with her? Like, how do you promote a song? when there's two, like, superstars on it from starting out from a pop genre?
1: Yeah, well, that's a good question. It's it's something we're going to have to figure out. She's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this fall, and I know she's she's busy touring and all that. So we got to record and, and do the music video. And um, I'll, so basically whenever some cool opportunities come about, we'll just ask if she's available, and she'll try to make it happen, and otherwise she'll be promoting promoting the song on her socials as well and um get together whenever we can but that's that's the plan going forward dude
0: speaking right of socials you were my space queen I back was. in the day like <laughs> you were essentially one of the first like viral music artists yeah. like uh, what's how is it translating from a viral artist into a sustainable act
1: That was something that, you know, happened so uh, fast for me too. I wasn't even ready to be in, in the spotlight with everything. And so I was very lucky how it happened. I wasn't prepared for it all. So I had to learn as I went, I had to do all the radio and TV and tour and all of that. And so then I became, you know, I got to meet my fans because before they were, it was just like this distant thing online that I would get to Uh talk with people. So getting to actually go play shows and get to meet them and have the meet and greets and um, connect it like that. It was really incredible to see that come to life.
0: Dude, I worked at a pop station back when Bubbly came out. Yeah. And, okay, so I was on a pop rhythm station. So okay. we were playing like Lil John, like Snap Your Fingers <laughs> and stuff like that. We rarely would play a guitar song is what we called it. Uh-huh. Rarely. Any in rotation. Yeah, Bubbly came out, yeah. which is, you know, it's not like a, you know what I'm saying? So, and I remember our boss, like, calling, calling mm-hmm. us in to the music meeting and, and he was like, we have to play this. this. Yep. And we sped our music up 4%. Yeah. <laughs> so bubbly at 4%. Oh, that's cool.
1: And it, and it
0: was, it, we played it all the time. And it became, this was in Detroit. And it became like this huge song. I
1: want to hear that version. That's awesome. I mean,
0: just speed it up at 4%. That,
1: that song really was one that, that crossed over all genres. It was really, really cool to see how many people it connected to just by being so simple. And I think at that time, too, there wasn't it was very heavily produced music and i think that coming out was just different for
0: people it was is such a happy song and yeah. then like all the ones like realize and the ones after you know were like now the question you probably get a million times about the count me in mm-hmm. was that planned or Mm-mm. okay it give was, me that story
1: so yeah so when i wrote the song i'm not like a great guitar player so i was playing the inflection of the guitar just a little differently and so my producer he played the real guitar and when i was singing my vocal I kept coming in on the wrong timing and I got frustrated actually. That was like, that was me being frustrated (laughs) kind of, but I was like, will you count me in? Like, this is, I was embarrassed that I couldn't get my own timing of my um, own song that I wrote. And he was like, that was adorable. And that, like he said it on the mic, you know, and I was like, uh, no, it wasn't like that's. And he's like, we're, we're I want to keep that. And I was like, please don't keep that. Like, this is not okay. And he was like, and then everyone else loved it. And then, yeah, it's been a thing that people love, but that's truly, it was a, me being frustrated. I couldn't come in on my own time. Wow.
0: I mean, I used yeah. it to my advantage. I like. I would talk. To, it was like an intro that I could talk to. I'd be like, "All right, coming up later on," and then I'd be like, "All right, Kobe Calais has got a question." You know, what so I mean? funny.
1: I don't know what, why people like <laughs> it, just it so much. Just, cause it just resonated because
0: it it almost sounds like an error, but it's like
1: yeah. when
0: you hear, it, you don't get to hear the outside. Yeah. I don't know. I like it. And I'm glad people like does.
1: it, and I'm glad my producer was right because I would I would have scrapped it.
0: <laughs> has any guy ever used that as like a, a pickup line?
1: Oh, people say it all the time. It's really funny. I like when people are, have a sense of humor like that. Or the audience will, of course, they'll say it when I'm playing the guitar intro, and then they'll...
0: But, like, has, does it get to a point where it's like, all right. Like, I mean, are you at the checkout line, and the lady is like, can you count me in? Or is no, it? No, I don't... Okay. No,
1: no. No, it's not. Like, people are... Yeah, people most of the time don't recognize me. They they think I look like me. It's really funny. If they say I have hair like Colby <laughs> Calais. I'm like... really. Yeah, it's really funny. I just kind of like, oh, cool. I'm not going (laughs) to correct.
0: Is there a tour announcement coming soon?
1: Um, No, not yet. We're figuring out it's it's next year, but I have some shows coming up. Um, I have some um, country festivals coming up, but um, otherwise, like my own tour will be next year.
0: Well, we welcome you and re-welcome you back in the country. We're so glad you're here. Thank you. The voice is amazing and we love hearing it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. All right, let's bring in Billy Dukes from behind the camera to go over this interview we had here. What's happening? True or
2: false? You really only wanted to know one thing from Colby Calais, and that was the story behind Bubbly.
0: Yeah, that is true. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really wanted to know about the Count Me In. I was, I was holding that. You know, if that was my, uh, if it was my choice, that would have been my first question.
2: That was, I, I mean, I, I did some research on this and there's not a lot of articles on like the origin of that. So I started to kind of wonder if we we're the only ones who are talking about that, but I don't think so. And especially based on her answer, it sounds like, like sh- there's people who are trying to counter in from all walks of life. She goes <laughs> to Starbucks or Chipotle and people are trying to counter in with her drive through. I would.
0: Yeah, definitely. If I was working the car wash and I had to be the one to wave her in, I'd be like, all right, you ready? Three, two yep. or five, six, seven, you know. Um, but she was, she was really cool. I mean, uh, if, if you flash back to like 06, 07, 08 or whatever year that was, like, I was like a super fan just cause she had crossed over uh, to pop and I, I just, there was nothing like that sound. And even now, like the song with Cheryl Crow, there's nothing like that. Like we need more Kobe Calais. Her,
2: her music is and her voice is not only i mean the songwriting is great her voice is fantastic uh, it's unique she really has a unique style that you didn't really hear on the radio then and you don't really hear on the radio now but i think more than any of that she just seems like an artist and a human being that's just really personable and accessible i mean she doesn't feel like a big star when she comes in and i think all of that really percolates and then i think i think that's part of the secret to her to her success
0: yeah, like I could see her rolling up uh, to a, a, a regular grocery store in a Prius and just getting her shopping right. done. Um, but but she does have a lot in the bank. I mean, don't think I didn't oh, yeah. net worth her. I mean, she's she's oh. worth quite a little bit about a, a bit of money, you know. And and does she live in Nashville?
2: She said she's lived in Nashville for about seven years.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. So I think. Uh, I think that's cool. And Nashville's the town, if anywhere, where you can pedal around and be famous, and not really, if you go in the right spots, and not really, no, no one will notice you.
2: You know. Hold on, you can't just dangle that like that. What does celebrity net worth say about Colby Kelly? Oh, I I think it was
0: eight million. Let me look it up. Hold on, Colby. Now, that website's always
2: high, though. Like, I feel like that website, like by like, if you divide by two or three, you might get close to where an artist actually is.
0: Okay, well, two things. Now you got me saying Kobe uh, because that's how you, that's how you've been saying it. I don't know, is that right? I don't know. No,
2: no, uh, no. I think I'm saying it wrong. Actually,
0: you're probably oh, I, right. Uh, uh, this says 11 million, but then I see one that says five million, a 15 million. So yeah, if you do the if you add the Billy math to that, I, the Billy Duke's math, I think you're right. I think you're at like. What, $7 million, $6 million, something like that? Somewhere in there. But she's
2: probably still driving like a Honda. I mean, I don't think she's pulling up in like a, maybe a Tesla. I mean, I feel like the Tesla is like the car you get when you're really rich, but you don't want to look really rich because it looks like you're doing something good for the environment. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, I could totally see that. Um, um, I wish I would have looked. Band. I didn't look. Go ahead. Like usually, I wish I would have looked. Usually I, I look in the parking lot to see what they drive up in. <laughs> her band
2: after the interview was kind of funny because um, they said they recognize like, I mean, she says that count me in thing is like, that was like her annoyed voice. Like that's not what she does when she's just like, uh. and her band said they totally recognize it. And these weren't guys. I don't think that have been with her since 2006, 2007. I think these were relatively new players, but they said like that's the expression she gets when she's a little bit mad. Or
0: frustrated. <laughs> so she's not hiding it well to this day. Still, you can you can tell when she's a little bit upset. Apparently, by her tone. But but even that, like that's like
2: her peak. Like when she's redlining, that's what you get. You know what I mean? Like okay, I can I can deal with that. Like if right. I was a friend of Colby's. Like I feel like that's as mad as she's gonna get. Super cool to be around. I think.
0: Yeah, I think if she gets mad, she would just go into a room and light a bunch of candles and close the drapes, you know, and just be quiet and and, uh, meditate on it.
2: Do you think she tries to or would prefer to sort of underplay like, I mean, her dad was a producer for Fleetwood Mac. So the Stevie Nicks stories and Fleetwood Mac and some of those classic rock stories. Do you think she would prefer to kind of underplay how much that kind of music um, was around her early in her life?
0: I think so. I mean, just my opinion, because I I mean, I just found out about that, you know, and I don't think that the average person knows that. And I think if she wanted it to be known, she would have, you know, I think um, it's just like somebody that changes their their last name because they don't want to be like their dad or their mom. But I I feel like uh, she doesn't want people to know that. You know, and they get some form of nepotism or something, but she's been in the game long enough now, I think, you know, to to skirt that, I would think. I
2: think you're kind of right on both accounts. It's pretty refreshing to me that she, like, admits she didn't grow up in a country household. Like, like artists don't admit, admit that, I don't think. I think the, a lot of times it feels like an artist is trying to fake how country they really are, and she's like, yeah, I didn't really listen to country all that much. Um maybe until the last 10 years.
0: Yeah, I think that's cool. And, you know, she had the country band that she had. I mean, didn't they put an album out or just a couple songs?
2: I don't know. Gone West is the name of the band. And it was like this really interesting project because I believe it was Colby and her then boyfriend or fiance. This is the relationship that broke up that kind of, I think, led to a lot of these songs. And then um, it was one of the other women in the band, was from this short-lived country duo called the Jane Deere Girls. And then it was just some other dude who was like the fourth player. And critics loved the music. Like, they they made all, like, the year-end lists when it was released. They didn't get a lot of traction at radio, but then the pandemic hit, and, like, we've kind of talked about pandemic being really hard on bands and duos. Well, they didn't make it. Like, everything kind of fell apart, and by June or July, they were announcing that they were no longer a band.
0: Yeah, that's tough, man. Um, I th- I think that uh, she kind of dipped her f- dipped her toes into the country world with that, and then uh, you know now I think she's jumping in full splash. It'll be interesting to see if it resonates um, with the, you know with the country community. It sounds like she has a lot of friends though in the not just Nashville but all across music. So I think that if she really wanted to get into the country, I think it could happen. I I'm- I think it will with this new album.
2: She's probably watching an artist like L. King really closely. That's yeah, like a, that's a fairly like, that's a fairly good comparison to what Colby's trying to do. I feel like not musically or sonically, but like in terms of having a sound that was country leaning, but then coming over into country. Colby's not. It's, it's Colby. She's not signed to a label though. L, L is signed to Sony. I don't believe so. So she's more yeah, um, not a country label. And, and, and another kind of cool thing is you can tell she's kind of playing the long game here because she said. She wrote these songs two, three years ago, and she just didn't feel like she could put them out yet because she wasn't there emotionally. Like if she, was, if she was in a rush or trying to fulfill some sort of quota that a record label gave her, we would have heard these songs maybe a year or two years ago, and maybe she would have skipped the media tour or, or dodged some of these hard questions. Um, but she waited till the time was right. And I think that's a combination of her being a little bit older, a little bit more mature, but just not feeling like she had to rush the music.
0: Yeah, good point. And I, I wonder how hard it'll be for her to play these songs live, if it'll rehash a bunch of old memories and stuff, or if she'll uh, if she'll be all right. We got a pretty good
2: performance from her of the Cheryl the Crow duet. Is this the one that we captured the audio we really well, or is this the one we kind of kicked?
0: Uh, probably, I think it's the one we kind of kicked. Yeah, I think I didn't have <laughs> the right volume turned up. I just right, recently well, learned no. how to use all the equipment after 25 years. <laughs> It was good in the room. I mean, she was... (laughs) Sounded good to us, but uh, unfortunately, we can't compute that from our brainwaves to yours. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, next time, Colby. Next time. Apologies.
0: (laughs) We'll count you in if you want to come back again, Colby. (laughs) Nice.